Peely Hunters is the original U.S. purveyor of wild-harvested, sprouted Peely Nuts. With 93% fat content, Peely Hunters Peely Nuts come in four flavors and have the highest fat content of any whole natural food on the planet, and they make for the Earth's perfect keto snack. Peely Hunters' new Expedition Butters now come in three amazing flavors, Keto Classic, Pumpkin Spice with Lion's Mane Mushroom, and Raw Cacao with Maca Powder, lightly sweet sweetened with coconut sugar and leucuma. Try Expedition Butter in the new one-ounce packets. With 200 calories per serving, these convenient, lightweight snacks have no added sugar and are blended with nothing but whole food ingredients to keep your expedition going. Experience Earth's perfect keto snack for yourself by going to eatpeelynuts.com. That's eatpeelynuts, spelled P-I-L-I-N-U-T-S dot com. And use the coupon code LLVLC at checkout to save 10% off of your first order. Wild nutrition, beyond organic, naturally ketogenic, Peely Hunters. Are you having issues with fatigue, the keto flu, or muscle cramping on your ketogenic diet? Then allow me to introduce you to Keto Vitals. They will solve all of these issues. Keto Vitals is a high-dose electrolyte in a pill specifically created for the unique needs of the ketogenic lifestyle. They use only the best ingredients. In fact, their form of magnesium was shown in a double-blind trial to improve insulin sensitivity. Keto Vitals is 100% guaranteed. If it doesn't work, they will refund your money. Head on over to KetoVitals.com or you can go on Amazon and get free two-day shipping for Amazon Prime members. Use the coupon code KETO1515 both on Amazon and at KetoVitals.com to get 15% off of your order. Keto Vitals. Uh, living La Vida low-car, this show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up the avocados, fry some eggs, time to explore. The longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage, we're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal, yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused, don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida low-carb show. Hey. Hey, hey guys, we're back here on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. And today I'm very privileged to welcome to the podcast a gentleman by the name of Paul Robinson. Now, Paul became ill with hypothyroidism in his late 20s. He's 60 years old as of last year, and he accumulated a wealth of knowledge all about thyroid and adrenal dysfunction. He has a scientific background. Uh, that enabled him to fight through the morass of all that misinformation. Gee, I wonder where that could be on the internet, probably, <laughs> and to help him recover from his health. And we're going to get deep into this subject. And he's written some books about it, which we're going to talk about here today. His website's pretty short. I've never seen a four letter dot uh, com before, but RWT3, the number three dot com is his website. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I love talking to people like you that have a story and and now you've written a book about uh, what you've learned through your story as a layperson, the Thyroid Patients Manual. That's your latest book and covers all the different treatment options for people dealing with thyroid dysfunction. So why don't we back up, though, before we get into why you're writing books about this? 
uh, and tell us your story about how I'm assuming it's somewhat of a nightmare story trying to figure out what in the world was going on with you. Yeah, absolute, complete nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was doing really well till I was about 28 or 20, 29. And uh, I mean, I, I had a great career going for me. I was working for a massive computer company and I was doing loads of interesting things. I was excited about working. I, I couldn't wait to get in the car in the morning and just drive to work and get, get going with it. It was brilliant. And um, uh, we were having the my wife and I were having our second child. We were in the delivery room, and I was about 29 or 30. I hadn't been feeling that good for about a year. Um, and she'd had the baby, and she was recovering, and I took the heart rate monitor she wasn't using anymore because I wasn't feeling that good, and I put it on just for a laugh, just for, just for humor, you know? And it was 32 Whoa. per minute, right? <laughs> Whoa. Now, normal, normal for me was 80, right? So. Wow. I was thinking, wow, I, sh- I should this should be going a bit faster after. You're too that. chilled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not. Yeah, no, it was, and it was like, I, I, you know, I hadn't been feeling well for a long time. I've been struggling with weight, uh, got issues, dry skin, remembering people's names, even in work and in my family, believe it or not, and fatigue, huge amounts of fatigue. Um, you know, if there was an Olympic sport for sleeping, I would have been in the team. I would have been, I would have, I would have been sleep. I'd be asleep in a minute, and I would sleep and sleep and sleep. Wow. Um. So about thirty-two beats per minute, man. That was that was a that, that was like a, a wake-up call. I knew something was wrong because these symptoms creep up on you when you got hypothyroidism. They don't just leap out and they're all there at once. They creep up bit by bit. Yeah. And I I put it down to stress at work. I had a I had a good job, a busy job. And I didn't know anything about thyroid disease. I never knew much about the thyroid or even problems with it. Um, so I went to see my family doctor, uh, and she was good. She she was amazing, actually, compared to all the stories I hear these days from lots of other people. She ran a whole bunch of tests, and she told me they're probably going to, all going to come back negative. But in my and, case, they didn't come and, back negative. And all. this was in the late 80s you're referring to, because this is 30 years ago. Oh, yeah, this is 30 years ago, yeah. yeah. So she did, uh, I'm not sure about your listeners, we can know, know all these tests, but she did TSH, she did free T3 yep. and free T4 yep. and both autoantibodies for Hashimoto's. Wow. And that's really, really unusual for anybody to have that whole panel done, but to have a GP, you know, family doctor do it, you know, when a guy just walks in saying, I'm not feeling too good, I've got 32 beats per minute heart rate. She did a lot. And I had basically really super high TSH. I wonder nothing. if that's changed. I wonder if since the late 80s, there have been parameters put in place of, oh, let's do, don't do all that unnecessary, quote unquote, testing. And let's yeah. just stick with the TSH, which is what most GPs do now. And I'll tell you some more about that later. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm itching to get to that. No, but keep keep really going with good. your story. That's a really good point because <laughs> TSH is probably about the most useless of all the tests. Right. Yeah, we'll get um, to that. But, um, but. Yeah, basically, it has changed. And often, even if a doctor puts down on a lab, you know, test form, do this, do that, do that, the lab just gets the TSH level and they think, oh, we're not going to do the rest. So everyone's cutting back, right? Cutting back on cost. 
And so doctors often don't test it all and labs don't test it all. So it's, it's, it's got really bad. Anyway, she got these results. I had super high autoantibody levels. I had Hashimoto's. I had almost no FT3 or FT4. And my TSH was about 50 or more. Uh, yeah. And she said, well, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. Wow. One little tablet of Synthroid, which we call T4 or Levothyroxine over here. Right. One little tablet to Synthroid is going to fix it all. Ha. Mm. Mm. Well, it never did fix it, ever, uh, in my case. Uh, they tried everything. She tried everything. Doses of various sizes were tried over a number of years, but my symptoms never improved, right? Even though the tablet got my thyroid labs into in quote the normal, normal range. Right. <laughs> yeah, you've heard that before as well. Oh, yeah. So this this is where my struggles started, and I got worse over time. Uh, I saw I don't know how many endocrinologists I saw. I saw probably about three privately that I paid for, and multiple within our health system. And these are I've written down some of the comments that I got back from these guys, right? Because some of these are, are really well-paid specialists, right? You can expect a lot. I, I went into these meetings with high expectations every time. So this is what I got. I got your lab test results are in range, so there's nothing wrong with your thyroid hormones, right? You're on the correct treatment, so your symptoms are due to something else. Oh, it's chronic fatigue syndrome or ME, so you're just going to have to learn to live with it. No, you don't need extra T3 to get your T3 level higher. It's already in range. Yeah, you need the conversion. And then, then the, one, the guy, one of these guys really, really annoyed me. I had words with him. He said, please come and join our ME support group. You can give and receive support from other ME patients. That's chronic fatigue in, right. in our term. Right. And, and, and basically, he had a bunch of thyroid patients that he couldn't fix, right? And so he'd stuff them into a cell room together. <laughs> together. Yeah. How sucky do you feel this week, man? Let me tell you how sucky I feel this week. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk my daughter again, but just hang in there with these guys. Wow. So I felt, felt I'd fallen down the rabbit hole with Alice, to be honest. I had all the symptoms I had before I was diagnosed. Everyone went, my doctor and other people agreed that my symptoms before I was diagnosed were. Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, but now since I was on the correct treatment, the doctors told me it was just a coincidence. The same symptoms were still there, and the thyroid disease was treated. So, the same symptoms must be caused by something else. Right. So that's uh, that's logic that I I just couldn't get. It just made no sense to me. It was completely nuts. This epitomizes the mainstream medical health. Uh, history uh, because you're not alone. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this right now, Paul, are going, man, I've been down that rabbit hole. And, and yep. some people are still in the midst of it trying to figure things out. So you're going to help so many people kind of skip to the front of the line and information here today. So what happened after this? And you went down this long morass of, yeah. of idiot doctors. Let's just put it like it is. Yeah. And, and then you had to start learning on your own. How did you get out of this? Yeah, well, it went on for about five years, and by that stage, I was, you know, hugely ill. I was really struggling at work. You and lost your job, I, didn't you? I loved it, yeah, but i trying to no, do it I, when you're I feeling you, ill. I said, not, you, I said you lost your job. I did lose my job eventually. Yeah. It didn't come at that point, but it did come later. It was building up to that, yeah. 
So about five years in, I thought, this is no good. I'm going to have to fix this myself. I, I, I can't rely on any of these bozos to do it anymore. I'm seeing specialists, and they're, they're just giving me bad information. So I went into a huge bookstore in Oxford, one of the guys there, the big bookstores that service all the you know the universities and colleges, yep. and I bought endocrinology textbooks. I bought a whole ton of them. Um, and that they were secondhand. That you know, things that endocrinologists uh, who were training endocrinologists had yeah. used, traded back in. And I bought them. I, I came home and I read everything cover to cover. Um, and it wasn't that hard for me because my background was pretty scientific. Um, and eventually, I realised that even though my FT three levels, free T three levels, were within the reference range, that they weren't really high up in the reference range and they could have adjusted from a very different level, a much higher level. And I also realized my T4 was probably converted to too much reverse T3, which mm -hmm. has basically been proven by research now to be a break on the active thyroid hormone, which is T3, because you can have as much T4 as you want. If it doesn't convert to free T3, which is the biologically active thyroid hormone, you're basically stuffed. So, um, by this stage, I'd also developed adrenal issues because <laughs> wow. everything had gone on so long. So I was a mess. I had low blood pressure. I was passing out on most days. And because I had adrenal issues, I had the reverse of what most thyroid patients had. Yeah. I was losing weight, not gaining weight. So I'd lost weight from my normal weight, which is about 170 pounds. Is it common that you also get adrenal issues with thyroid issues? Yes, you can. it's very common amongst thyroid patients. It usually doesn't come straight away, but often it comes later on. There's good reasons for that. I can go into that at some point if you want. That would be a lot of detail, but maybe we can come back to that one. Maybe another um, whole podcast on that one. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that's it's huge. I've written a whole book on that. Seriously, yep. it's a massive, massive connection. Um, so I'd lost weight from 170 pounds. So I'm six foot one, right? So I'm not, not, not a tiny guy. And uh, I'd gone down to 110 pounds, right? So I'd lost about 35% of my body weight, um, which is a hell of a lot. I looked like, I looked like hell. I looked like I'd come out of a concentration camp or I was like, you know, a seriously, serious anorexic. I mean, my bones were sticking out everywhere. Wow. And I was passing out and I was still trying to work, still trying to hold a job down. It was unbelievable. But I was in and out of work by this stage, you know, as you can imagine. So I had low cortisol as well as thyroid problems. I was fatigued. I had to sleep in the middle of the day quite often. Couldn't stuck climb the stairs. And all this all when all this was going on, I had two small children and and a, and a, a wife and it was it was really, really, really tough on the whole family. And mm -hmm. uh, we couldn't see that many friends because I was too tired and um you know you get very isolated and alone with it you know it's just pretty tough right I actually I actually thought I was dying um so I actually did I worked really hard to put all my financial affairs kind of as in, in a good a state as I could because wow. I didn't I'd make I that's how think, real it was for you huh Paul yeah yeah absolutely I didn't think I'd make 40 to 45 I actually Man. thought I'd die yeah it was really, it was, it was dreadful. Um, but you're so not alone in that. I think a lot of people, again, will resonate with that, that they, they feel so sick that, yeah, they actually feel like they are dying. And let's hear the happy ending of this, Paul, because you've, you've painted this very grim picture in the first 15 ish minutes of this podcast. Let's have a yep. little bit of how you got out of this. Okay. So basically at the end of it, all after my research, I figured out that I needed to use 
the T3 thyroid hormone, which is the active thyroid hormone, not T4. T4 does very little unless it's converted within the cells to T3. I eventually found someone to give it to me. And then it took me three years to figure out how to use it properly because I needed to use it um, both to fix adrenal issues and to fix thyroid issues. And I developed a protocol for doing that. And it worked. It, it took three years, and then I started to feel well. And it took me another few years to get better from that. Yeah, you know, to fully recover after that amount. I'd lost lost my career in the middle, of, you know, in the process of doing it. But I also ended up writing the Recovering with T three book, which is basically my story, but also contains the protocol for using T three safely. Now, T three is very powerful, and uh, a lot of people embark on trying to use it without fully understanding it, and there's an awful lot to know about it. But I basically embodied all of this in the first book, and it also explains how to use T3 to help with low cortisol issues as well. Yeah. So that's the happy that's the happy ending. I got I got <laughs> well, but then I started to work with patients as well online. Yeah. Well, and that's the great thing. I think uh, what you've created, uh, again, his website, rwt3.com, stands for Recovering with T3.com. He also has a Facebook page, Recovering with T3, if you want to go follow him there. Uh, but you've done this as a layperson. This is what makes me mad about where we are in the world, Paul. You've got to have a Jimmy Moore who loses weight on the Atkins diet and gets passionate about getting information out. You've got to have a Paul Robinson who has to have failure after failure after failure of the mainstream medicine community trying to help you with your thyroid condition. And you had to go learn about it on your own. Why are we having to be like leading voices in these categories um, when it seems like medical doctors and researchers should be the ones picking up the, the baton and running with it? Well, that's an interesting question. That's a really, really good question. Now, I think if um, I'd had cancer or a heart problem, I would have seen a specialist. Right. And those specialists working in that area have to be up to date with all the research because if they're not, they don't get any credit, they don't get any funding to do their research, and they they just have to be up to date with it. I think, unfortunately, there are some conditions that basically are not as sexy. And um, people, the, some of the doctors and some of the endocrinologists are not staying up to date with the research at all. I mean, the research that's come out over the last 10 years in the thyroid area is staggering. It's, it's, it makes the, the whole way that treatment is done a nonsense right now. I mean, uh, and that's why I wrote the new book, because I, it, it's just wrong. There are so many pieces of research that are dramatic. Good news, low-carb, ketogenic, real food fans. A real good foods company is now in all U.S. Walmart stores. They have enchiladas, poppers, cauliflower crust pizzas, mini pizza bites, and the chicken crust pizzas in 3,500 Walmart stores. Real Good Foods pizzas are grain-free, gluten-free, and of course, low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic. This is real food, and now it's available at your local Walmart. Get exclusive offers from Real Good Foods by texting RGF to 474747. And be sure to visit realgoodfoods.com to learn more about Real Good Foods' ketogenic line of products. Real Good Foods. 
Do you still struggle trying to find a sweetener that fits your ketogenic lifestyle? Then let me introduce you to Swerve. Swerve tastes like sugar and there's no funky aftertaste that you get from all those other high intensity sweeteners. Swerve actually looks like sugar and you may not even realize it, but granular and particle size have a lot to do with how foods feel in the mouth. Because Swerve measures cup for cup just like sugar, it is super easy to use. Swerve has taken away the guesswork on how much to use in your recipes. You simply swap it one for one for sugar. Swerve is the perfect sweetener for baking and cooking, and unlike other sugar alternatives, Swerve browns and caramelizes just like sugar, which means creme brulee and meringues are even possible. The best part is Swerve has very little impact on blood sugar and insulin levels, making it perfect for a diabetic or anyone following a ketogenic lifestyle. Swerve is made from erythritol as well as oligosaccharides, which is a form of prebiotic fiber to help stimulate beneficial bacteria in the intestines. All the ingredients found in Swerve are from the United States and Europe, and Swerve has been in business for more than 16 years. Headquartered in the good old USA in New Orleans, everybody in keto is now using Swerve, and it's your turn too. Go to swervesweet.com to find a store near you, and it's also available on Amazon.com. Swerve, the ultimate sugar replacement. Why is it being ignored? I think because it's, it's somehow or other, it's not being transformed into the training for the doctors, and it's not being it's not being filtered to them for some reason. I don't know why. I, I don't know what. There's a system that's broken somewhere. It's yeah, just it's not big, working. It's a big system that's broken, sadly. So, what are some examples? Right. Okay. I'll just. I, I've got a few of them. Right. Um. And and there's more in the book, but um, um. It, most people don't know. Most doctors don't know that the thyroid gland itself is responsible for about 25% of the active thyroid hormone T3 in the body. Yep. And it gets most of that through conversion from T4 to T3, right? Mm-hmm. Most of it. And so the ball of blood that's flowing through the thyroid, it, the thyroid gland converts a whole ton of it. When the thyroid is lost through Hashimoto's because it gets destroyed or thyroidectomy, you basically lose nearly 25% of your ability to convert T4 to T3. So why are these people just being given Synthroid? They can't possibly convert it as like they used to be. They're always going to be left sick. The people who had thyroidectomies and they're given Synthroid, they're not going to be like they used to be because they've lost that capability. That's just one. Another massive piece of research is that the reference ranges that are used on lab tests are uh, based on a wide population. Research has proven completely categorically that individuals have personal individual ranges for each of these FT3 and FT4 levels. Yes. And they're less than half as wide as the population ranges. <laughs> and if they don't fit in those ranges, they're right. not going to be well. Wow. That's wow. massive, isn't it? It's huge. It's a huge fact. And it is a fact. It's been proven. Yeah, my right? wife, my wife Christine has Hashimoto's, uh, and yeah, she was going through all that frustration too until I ran all of the various things on the thyroid panel that that you talk about in your books, and and we saw very high antibodies, and the doctor yep. was totally missing that. Didn't show up in her TSH or any of the other things they were running. She uh, now takes uh, Armor Thyroid. 
uh, and it works for her. She gets that conversion over from the T4 to T3 just fine, and and she's doing well. Uh, but for years, she was struggling. Yeah, that's, that's really typical. And another example is that doctors think they can, this comes back to a point that you brought up earlier, doctors think that they can uh, measure the success of treatment using TSH or possibly FT4. Yep. Research in the last few years has absolutely proven that only one lab measure tracks symptoms. So if it gets higher, symptoms usually improve. And that's neither FT4 and TSH, it's FT3. Yes. FT4 and TSH do not track symptoms. That's huge as well. You know what? Often they don't even test that. You know what TSH reminds me of? It reminds me of total cholesterol. It doesn't really tell you a whole bit of nothing. It it doesn't tell you anything. Yeah, and that's another point. I mean, they've also proven, this is another piece of research that's come out fairly recently, is that TSH, when you're on thyroid treatment of any kind, TSH can be zero, and uh, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, It doesn't mean someone's hyperthyroid at all. So being on treatment is very different to being on nothing and being diagnosed. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can be on the right treatment and your TSH can be zero, whereas many doctors actually reduce people's doses of medication if TSH is zero. And that's just wrong. So, Paul, I have to ask the question because Synthroid uh, is kind of the default that they always want to put people with thyroid conditions on. In fact, Christine was pushed Synthroid by her doctor, and that's the T4 therapy. And she asked specifically for the armor, which she got, and she's been thriving on it. So why do patients uh, get that as the standard for every thyroid issue? uh, Synthroid might help a few, but what are the other options that patients can be asking their doctors about? Well, it's, 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 yeah, okay, I'll tell you what the options are, but then we've got a problem with it in, in lots of countries where the doctors actually don't want to prescribe some of these options. Yeah. Right. But yeah, T4 is a default. And actually, for a lot of people, it does work so long as it's dosed correctly. Right. And the doctors actually do ignore TSH and just look at the patient's symptoms, make sure they're not hyperthyroid, make sure that FT3 hasn't gone ballistically high. And, um, you know, that usually, it can work for a lot of people. However, in many cases, it doesn't, and the person is left with insufficient free T3. So in those options, one of the options is to use armor thyroid, natural thyroid, and that's a great option. It works for tons and tons of people. And another option is to take the T4 dose and add some T3 to it, possibly reducing the T4 dose as T3 is added. So you get a combination. And with T4, T3, you've got flexibility of changing that ratio which you don't really have with armor. Um, so that's another option. In a few cases, like me, you somebody needs T3 on its own. Uh, and I don't have any I don't have any thyroid gland left and I have no T4 in my body, right? So Paul, is that a injectable? What, what how do you take no, the T3? It's a tablet. It's oh, a it's tablet. a tablet. Okay. Li- it's a tablet called liothyronine. Okay. So you take it in co- you can take it in combination with T4. Uh, or you can take it on its own, and I take it on its own. I take 60 micrograms a day, gotcha. and I have been taking it on its own for 20 years. And I don't have, if you measure my thyroid levels, I've got zero T4, zero TSH, and an FT3 level, which is several points over the top of the reference range, but I'm not hyperthyroid, right? So, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, th- this is really common. A lot of people do this, and in my case... In my case, I can't convert T4. 
um, there are gene defects that actually stop people being able to convert properly. The conversion requires two N special enzymes called D2 and D1, and there are gene defects that stop you making them properly. In my case, I have both the defects, and kindly, my mother and father gave me both copies of each. So basically, I can't make <laughs> I can't make a decent DI ordinase enzyme, a D1 or D2 enzyme Lucky to save you. life. So I take T3. So I don't need to convert it. It's already the active hormone, and that's what people need to do sometimes as well. So there are all these options out there. Usually, one of them works. You normally start with T4. And if that doesn't work, you either go to natural desiccated thyroid or you go to T4, T3, and hopefully you can get that to work. If that yeah. doesn't work, eventually you have T3 on its own. And, and I cover all these options in the new book, as well as all the research and as well as diagnosis and vitamins and minerals and things like that that have yeah. to be looked at and cortisol. And so, yeah. So you hinted at this a little bit earlier that some doctors around the world may not be all hip with some of the things that you talk about in your books um, regarding these alternative therapies to Synthroids. So how do patients circumnavigate through the uh, the system, so to speak, uh, to get what they need to get to get healthy? Yeah, well, that's a tricky one. I've, I've written about that in the book. I've tried to make the book as helpful as possible. That's why I've called it the Thyroid Patient's Manual. I've tried to make it like a, a car manual for people that have got thyroid issues, right? So I've tried to make it really nuts and bolts and real details, real details about levels of everything. And I've also put sections in it to this is what you can try and do to get over the roadblocks. This is what you can try and do to help get, you know, get help from your doctor. And I think the, the research is a big thing. And the, I point out the big pieces of research that you, the patient can print out and take to the doctor and say, look, this is the reality of where we stand. You're trying to do X, but actually I need Y. And this research proves it. So that's one thing they can do. Yeah. Um, the other thing they can do is talk to other thyroid patients and um, find out whether other people have got the same issues they have got and, and uh, what doctor they've got. And if they've got a more supportive doctor, they should flip and well change doctor <laughs> and find somebody different. I love no? that phrase, flipping well. That's good. So yeah. now you're in the UK, <laughs> here in the United States, um, it's a different system. And and I know Christine, um, she she told her doctor she wanted armor because she'd listened to me and I'd talked to many thyroid experts over the years. So she knew what she wanted. And I remind people often, Paul, and uh, tell me how it is in the UK and, and other parts of the world that you're aware of, that people that go to see their doctor, you're the boss in that relationship. They're merely a consultant in your health and the ultimate decisions about what you want to do for treatment options for thyroid, for example, is up to you. And you have the final, you're the final arbiter of what happens to you in your treatment. And you you should treat your doctor merely as a consultant in your health, not the dictator of all things about your health. I completely agree with that. I use a phrase in the new book that says, get in the driver's seat. Yes. Because people have to get in the driver's seat. They have to own their own health and not just throw it. Even they, not just give it away to some guy behind a desk and say, okay, well, you do what you want with it. Yeah, You can't do that. You have to arm yourself and you have to take control. In the UK, it's very different. The doctors think they're completely in charge of it and they don't like being 
asked awkward questions and told what the patient wants. Same in America. So, <laughs> and, 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 and unfortunately, the patient has to change the mindset. They has to change their own mindset first. Yeah. If they're going to get well, if they've got anything other than a very, very simple problem, they want to get well, they're going to have to take control of their own health and make some decisions and learn some things. And that's particularly why I've written the last book, to try and give people as much simple information as I can to make it possible for them to do it. And I think it's happening thanks to the younger generation not really following those rules of listening to their to the doctor and, and doing everything they say, a little bit of the Internet. I mean, think about it, Paul. When you got diagnosed, there was no such thing as the Internet yet. And and you were struggling trying to find it out. You ended up having to go to the Oxford Library, of all things, to start reading this. Now you can read manuals and research papers and everything online at your fingertips. There's really no reason why patients can't be empowered to make those better choices, to get in the driver's seat and make themselves healthy again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a world of different these days. I mean, when I was going through it, there was nothing. There was no Internet. And um, I had no choice but to either listen to some of the idiots that were giving me completely rubbish, <laughs> rubbish answers to my questions or go and get the information myself. So I went and got the information myself. Now, I think it's very hard for, for most thyroid patients to go and start reading endocrinology books. Um, but, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of resource out there now and um, possibly too much in some cases. It, it, it's, it's, you know, the Internet's full of all sorts of stuff and yes. it's not always right. Um, so, uh, yeah, but it's, 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 it's a lot easier. On the other hand, um, I think the medical systems seems to be, seem to be a little more rigid than even when I was going through it in some cases. I mean, there are parts of this country, uh, that, that won't prescribe T3 at all. Yeah. You know, that's a real problem. I mean, hopefully that's going to get fixed because there's a lot of political pressure coming to bear to fix it. But do you know why? Uh, I think because it's it's more expensive, and the, the the our health service has mismanaged the supplier and let them put the prices up. So that's a very UK specific issue. Sure, uh, I think also it's more difficult to dose, and the doctors are a bit frightened of using it. They should read my recovering with T three book, and now I have to do it then. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's more difficult to use. So um, and they just don't understand the research. That's that's that comes a lot of it comes back to that. Well, and, it, and it's not just in thyroid disease. I don't think they know the research in diabetes. I don't think they know the research in Alzheimer's or cancer or any of these other health conditions that pop up, whether they're autoimmune or whether they're chronic um, issues. I just don't. Th and it's amazing to me because people put such trust in these medical doctors to kind of know and stay up to date on stuff. But they're just not. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. You know, the guys are doing the research and they do good. If they do good research and it's, you know, they get good support for the results, that stuff should go straight back to the people that need it, which are the, the specialists and the doctors. And it, and it doesn't seem to be happening. That's just a massive, it's a massive flaw. And it's, it's, and it's, and it's a waste of the good work that's being done on yes. the research. Well, and patients are being caught in the crossfire because a lot of patients like yourself who are educated and they are learned in the sciences, they're finding the research and you know more about thyroid stuff than probably most of the GPs there in Britain. Yeah, I think that's probably true. <laughs> Although uh, they I would, I would have, listen, 
verifiably true. It, they won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> if, they won't, if they're listening to that, they won't like it. But yes, it's probably true. Is there any like uh, GP or medical people that are out there in the mainstream anywhere in the world, but definitely there in the UK that you're aware of that's championing this cause? Who, who is the name and face in the medical field that's that's promoting what you're talking about here? Or is it you? Um, I don't know that any any particular individual is really promoting it. I mean, I, I, it's not like every doctor I've ever met is useless, right? right. Uh, that's not true. I, I had eventually, having seen about seven endocrinologists, I found one good guy. He happens to now be a professor doing research in this area himself. Nice. So that's probably not a coincidence. He's a very talented guy. Yeah. And, and and by that time I saw him, I'd already more or less fixed myself. So, but I had some support with him. I also had a great, I've had some really good GPs the last um, few years as well. So good. I can't complain myself, but some people, some patients just let themselves get stuck with basically an idiot who isn't going to help them. And they that needs that that they need to take responsibility and get out of that. But I don't know. I don't know of anybody, Jimmy, that's actually championing that connection between the research and the doctors. Um, I mean, I think a lot of doctors, even the, some of the top ones that could do it, uh, are kind of almost scared about you know coming out and doing same things that are against the standard treatment. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, I, I honestly feel that, that that's the case. They don't yeah. want to put their heads above the parapet lest it gets shot off. You, you know who it reminds me of there in your country, uh, Malcolm Kendrick, and how he came right. out so strongly against the the cholesterol hypothesis. And yeah, he's kind of taken a lot of arrows because mm-hmm. he doesn't believe in the statins and 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 all of that. Um, and may, and became very vocal. So maybe they see people like him and say, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in the background and keep seeing my patients. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can believe that. Yeah. But I mean, to be honest, I'd given up worrying about that years ago. When I first did the first book, recovery T3, I was thinking, Oh my God, I'm probably going to get sued after this. Cause I'm yeah. saying all this stuff. So I wrote it as a personal journey sure, and, uh, and to sort of, make it more of a personal story, but I still put the protocol and everything in it. Of course. Um, and now I don't care anymore. So I've written the new one. It's like, this is the manual. This is what you do. This is how you get diagnosis done. This is what you do pre-treatment. These are treatment options. I just written it out there. I don't care. I'm past caring. I'm past caring, Jimmy. <laughs> well, and that's the beauty of people like uh, you and me. We're, we're lay people, so we're not beholden to a medical board or some kind of a nutritional board. If we were a dietitian or nutritionist, we're just average everyday people who are sharing information and trying to help other people. And I trust in the collective wisdom of people hearing what they uh, hear on podcasts like this one, for example, and then distilling it down to what it means for them. And they make good choices about their health. If they're not going to get this information anywhere else, then it's up to you and me to carry that baton. Excellent. Couldn't agree with you more, mate. (laughs) Thank you. His name, Paul Robinson. Definitely check him out. RWT3.com is his website. He also has a Facebook page where you can engage with other people dealing with these issues. Facebook.com slash recovering with T3. He has three books that we've talked about here today. His latest one, the thyroid patient's manual. He also has recovering with T3. And then if you have adrenal uh, issues, low cortisol issues, the CT3M handbook is a companion, a companion book to the recovering with T3. 
All of those are available anywhere online that you buy books. So go look them up and uh, definitely check out the work that Paul Robinson is doing. So, Paul, thanks so much for joining us here today on the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show. Well, thanks very much, Jimmy. It was great fun. Thank you. Living La Vida Low Carb, this show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up the avocados, fry some eggs, time to explore. The longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage, we're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal, yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused, don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey. The Living Low Carb Show.com. Woo! Disc of Light. <laughs>